Hello, hello, hello. It's Kings of Punk. I'm one of your hosts, Tyler Hammer. We got uh, with me, as always. What's up? Jake here. And Tim. Hey. Yep. Whole crew's here. Yeah. L- little Logie today. Uh, we got our Phil Gates microchip thingies put in. Would you get the Pfizer? Yeah, I like I think we talked about this before. I'm pissed. I wanted the Sinovac one so that I would get uh it would increase my productive forces and uh yeah. talk about one belt, one road, but you can't get that here. So I had to get the fucking Pfizer one that doesn't even make you good at Olympic lifting nope. like the Sinovac one does. Nope, just a uh, useless bullshit. Hopefully we won't uh, you hear that, folks? Vaccines don't do anything. They don't work. Yeah, they. <laughs> it's just for show. It's for like our podcast could get deplatformed because I said that, which is crazy. Where I mean, if, uh, if anybody's stupid enough to wonder you know, why, actually think you believe that? I mean, well, that's that's more on them. I don't trust fucking Phil Gates. I don't trust really anyone. I only tr- I don't even trust myself. You know, I don't trust Phil Gates or uh, John Joseph, no matter what he says about the vaccine. It's like that guy, you know, he smokes he smokes crack. Uh, he doesn't he do did. anymore. I mean, he I did. I smoked crack before, but probably less than he did. Probably. Oh, I mean, that's got to be that's probably not even a contest. Yeah. Yeah. He was he was rocking out, I'm sure, based on <laughs> I just I mean, you know, he goes hard with everything. It's fucking hardcore, man. I think no, he, you, if you don't become a fucking foe. That's not. <laughs> Yo, it's me, John Joseph. Yeah, I'm from fucking Baltimore, Baltimore now. <laughs> yeah, this is a... Tra- uh, Comtown already did this bit, though. That was the fucking... This is the traditional accent of the Lower East Side. <laughs> Brooklyn. N-Y-H-C-L-E-S-O-G. Yeah, fucking... That would be awesome. There's an alternate universe where, like, the Brooklyn New York and Baltimore. Hard, the New York hardcore scene up. actually starts, and it's the Baltimore hardcore scene, you know? MDHC. You know, yeah, MB, or like MBHC. Or yeah, yeah, I guess we're BMHC. Oh, yeah, Baltimore, Maryland, HC. But let's not think about um, futures that uh, don't exist. We're mad bull. <laughs> fucking mad bull. Mad bull. Let's talk about... Uh, yeah, we don't fake it. We just fucking take it, yeah. That do exist, uh, which is uh, Extreme Noise Terror, part two. This Wrapping part it two. up. That was a hell of a segue. But yes, this is ENT, part two, the legacy of ENT, part two, King's Punk Podcast. Yep. And that's us signing off. We'll see you next week. <laughs> thanks <laughs> thanks for stopping by for this week's episode. <laughs> Man, that was quick. <laughs> There's a uh, there's a lot no, to talk. I've heard that before. There's a lot to talk about with this uh, from here. We talked really just about the stuff that I think a lot of people already know about. Yeah, yeah. We we ended off with the KLF thing. I did. I gotta say to sum up sort of my feelings on the first part of their catalog. I do think for people who aren't familiar with this band, definitely Holocaust in your head would be the place to start. One thing I was struck with revisiting that record that I think we'll touch on as we discuss UKHC in the future. Haven't heard anyone mention this really. I could see some youth of today influence on it. Like, it, it, there's some fucking like posy type lyrics, you know, think for yourself type shit, which was not what like Disorder or Chaos UK or any of the other bands that ENT was listening to were talking about. And also, youth of today was kind of big in the UK. And after revisiting their first album, it is 
very extreme sounding, and I could see where fucking grind bands be into it. So I was struck by that. ENT, I mean, good example of, as I think we touched on the last episode, they took just all of the, a few different strains of extreme punk, hardcore, the fringes of it, and synthesized it into pretty well on that album. But we're going to get into some of their other material now. There's a, I I remember seeing a picture of uh, Mick Harris with, he had some flyer behind him that was like on a wall and I'm pretty sure it was maybe not youth of today I think oh uniform choice another one great there you band go. you know less extreme sounding but I, great if you, band if you listen to uniform choice you probably were listening to youth of today yeah 100% yeah I mean, that's right in line with the whole like that's pretty posy right uniform choice yeah definitely I mean all that stuff was I hate using that term because it's kind of like a, a pejorative and I think the I actually like early f- fucking youth crew lyrics. I don't give a fuck what anybody thinks. That shit will actually make you fucking feel like you can take on some fucking challenges. You were, and I can definitely, especially understand in the context of like, uh, sort of unremitting like nihilism that punk had been about since '76. Why it would actually be pretty fucking like a breath of fresh air to hear Ray Capo or Pat Dubar tell you like, hey, like. You can actually, you can get what you want in life, maybe, if you fucking, like, and, like, you have to try anyway. And and and, and, and uh, my point was that uh, some of that I saw in the some of the early ENT lyrics and thought that was kind of cool and something that I hadn't, hadn't really thought about before. Yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah, I think the U.S. stuff from, like, that era, like the mid-'80s. Mid-to-late-'80s. Which would be, you know, Youth of Today and, uh, you know, like, a Uniform Choice stuff. Um I think it definitely has an influence on it for sure. And uh, heresy, obviously, but we'll probably yeah, we'll cord, do more, more of that I stuff say, later. Yeah, because um, uh, it's interesting. We were listening to uh, the what the SSD album. Break it up. Break it up. Yeah, break it down. Their best break record. down. Their best break, break down it up. Record. The down wall. Break uh, <laughs> break up the down wall. <laughs> now they're talking about spring is talking about or he wasn't on that album, right? Uh, no, he was. Yeah, no, Spring he was, was on all the records. He's it's, dude, he was, that, now he's talking about putting up the wall. The, you know, <laughs> he probably is. <laughs> no, that's another thing that's fucked up about those SSD records. That's like the original lineup, pretty much. Yeah, I don't see, think anything changed. We we will eventually do an episode on the insane phenomenon of hardcore bands from the early '80s. Uh, deciding to cons- like go metal. pretty much all at the same time. Yeah, go metal or go cock, cock rock. rock yeah. But not like heavy metal. They're not where like, yeah, so it sound like Judas Priest or Iron Maiden. It was like, let's do this let's really like shitty version of it. Well, that was especially a Boston-centric phenomenon, which I'll have to do some of uh, some cultural genealogy to kind of figure out why the fuck Boston especially tended to do that. Second DYS record is good, though, but... That's neither here nor there. It's none of this is that relevant, but that's you know whatever. But man. you know, to, to what I was going to say, what I was going to try to uh, point is that like you know, youth of today and youth from choice were offering like a, if you were listening to those like a DOIS or something like that, and you'd, that you'd be like, point, what actually, the yeah. this shit sucks, and then you hear like uniform choice okay this yeah, is if what's you want to know like what's up, and actually this ties in with sort of some of the later ENT shit that we're going to talk about today. Because it sounds like these guys were in tune with like the international punk scene. I know they drew a lot of influence from some of the Scandinavian bands and Japanese stuff it's, too. So real quick, yeah, they did tour Japan a, a couple times. I believe once, the first time maybe in 1990, 
I don't know That's if I'm tight, correct. Yeah. I believe in, at the very least in 1990, I think maybe in did 93. They, I should have looked into this. Did they go around Europe at all either? I think like, they did. They probably Scandinavia and shit. Cause, cause, Germany and all yeah, those places. Yeah. They if, didn't do their first U.S. tour till I think they signed the earache. So. I figured, yeah. But I would assume they were kind of, if they were clued in with the international scene, they would, like, if you were them and you were like, what's up with hardcore in America, circle like 86, 87, yeah. You would have found a bunch of trash. You would have found crossover, which I think these guys definitely tuned into as evidenced on some of the records we're going to talk about today. And then, like, you would have found, like, the, some of the early straight edge stuff and New York hardcore stuff that was kind of that, that, which is an influence that I had never really connected together with, with ENT and UKHC other than her, heresy aside until this most recent, recent revisit. Recent. That's not. How I talk, it's fucked yeah. up. It's a vaccine, man. It's getting to you. It's turning slipping. me into G-Jack. It's going to be fucked up. So let's... Uh, Slovenian we, moron. They uh, they do this collaboration with the KLF. We did we talked about it. We ended the episode last week uh, yes. with that. Um, and to go a little just to refresh people, um, the KLF is a like acid house kind of like electronic... Group, I, I believe I heard them described as like arena rave. Their thing, and I listened to some of their tracks, is they would very sample heavy, dancey electronic music with a very big sound, like designed for like to be, I think, taken out of the context of like an underground rave, perhaps, and very sample heavy, which. I I was I like the fucking clip of them playing with ENT and even the recording of it was kind of baffling to me. I was like, what what is happening with this? So I, I did well, a yeah, go go ahead. Apparently on that live performance they did with KLF, yeah. they made sure to like turn the guitar all the way down. That's like really I don't funny. know yeah, why. Yeah. They didn't touch the bass, but the guitar was like they the KLF did? No, like the producers of uh the Oh the, the Br- on show. the Brits, yeah. yeah. The, for for those who didn't hear the last episode or aren't familiar, we're talking about a clip of the KLF and Extreme Noise Terror performing on the Brits, a big British awards show where they play this song, 3 a.m. Eternal, which was previously a KLF song. They redid it with Extreme Noise Terror. And um, then at the end, they like shoot a bunch of blanks. And I heard at the after party, the KLF guys had like a pig's head that they threw at people. Yeah, they're what a really goofy, not goofy, but really kind of bizarre Sound pretty intense yeah i i did a little digging on the klf because i i was pretty intrigued they were inspired by a trilogy of kind of postmodern satirical pseudoscientific novels called the illuminatus trilogy it was by this guy uh robert anton long was i think the main writer who i've been hearing his name forever i should read some of his stuff i don't know that much about it it was these Again, very postmodern in the sense that, like, I guess there's some breaking of the fourth wall. Like, the fictional characters in these books realize they're fictional and talk about it. And oh. very, and this kind of seems relevant to how KLF prevented, presented themselves. It, they're like books about fictional conspiracy theories. Oh, okay. Um, inspired, to my understanding, and this I can see this in KLF too, secondhand, by the Situationist movement, which we'll, we'll should talk about at some point. It's definitely a proto punk phenomenon. But uh, situationism was this like intellectual movement of like political theorists and Dadaist artists who basically their whole thing was, you know, they were drawing on sort of later post Marxist theory about 
social relations under capitalism becoming totally mediated by like objects and images and fake shit and sort of obscuring our real human desires. So situationism was about using art and culture to sort of crack little holes in that and create situations that would get people more in touch with their humanity. Um, KLF would pull stunts of like, uh, you know, I think they vandalized like people's billboards. They took out these weird like Dadaist looking ads in the enemy. And I think the thing with ENT and especially performing at the Brits is a great example of, of sort of a situationist stunt because you're watching the Brits, you're expecting to consume a product you're familiar with. We kind of were too. I mean, we're like, oh, it's extreme noise terror. And then it's something that doesn't make any sense. And that feeling of sort of confusion is, is a, a real human desire or a real human impulse. So I, I can definitely see that in KLF. And I'm, I want to learn a little more about them because the, the fact that they, even if it came secondhand, which I'm not totally sure. Uh, and, and the situationist ethos I'm a fan of. Uh, Malcolm McLaren of the Sex Pistols manager fame was inspired by a lot of that same stuff. So definitely... They were of a mindset where I think even just the band name Extreme Noise Terror, which they didn't know. They heard ENT on the radio and John Peel and they're like, whatever this is, this is the rock band we need. Clearly, they were looking for the most disruptive group to collaborate with as they possibly could find. And they knew they had enough of a platform that they could get the most disruptive band and get them on the fucking Brits. So that that's a classic like Dada is situation is stunt from the KLF and. Uh, they happen to use these guys from Is- Ipswich to accomplish that, which yep. is pretty fucking funny. Yeah, and uh, so we got this. The song's pretty good too. By yeah, the way. I like, I, the, I like, the, I like yeah. the song. It's shit good. is good. Uh, we got this collaboration. They kind of write a record, but it never comes out. Yes, and KLF when they broke up deleted their entire back catalog, so I don't think you can hear it. I think the the uh, extreme noise terror backing tracks are up on the, they're on YouTube. They are on YouTube. We listen to that, and the riffs are sick. And I would love to hear it with the KLF parts. It is. Oh, it man. sounds like it. Like it would. It would definitely help to hear the KLF parts because the ENT tracks are just like. This is so weird for like you know for considering them. It's like this doesn't sound it like w- them whatsoever. Yeah, it was like sick, like heavy rock music though. It's not even like metal. Oh like no, the stuff yeah. they do later. It's sick mid tempo rock, and it's really good. But KLF broke up somewhat unexpectedly, I think, and deleted all of their recordings. So you cannot. No one can do a bootleg of that. Like I, they went to like it the was stu- on, studios oh, and yeah. got rid of all of it. Oh, so well, yeah, that, yeah, the bootleg is just the ENT parts okay. of it. So, from 90 to... This is kind of like a weird period in the time for the band because a couple things happening. They have the band Raw Noise, which I believe they had formed before ENT around so, the yeah. same time, right? Yeah. like it was. I think it was like a little bit earlier, but I, don't, I think it was more Disgust that was kind of like the band that was... Raw Noise... Disgust was like in the later 90s. Oh, see, I thought it was the other way around. No. I'm pretty sure Raw, the Raw Noise, Noise had album stuff. came out in 99. I, I think it did, but I believe Raw Noise had... Well, they could have played in that time. Let me too. look it it's up. Right. Raw Noise Raw like Noise. a real short-lived thing from real early on when they started? Yeah. Raw Noise has they a 7-inch like, like, from 1990. Okay. They, I know oh, they had okay. stuff before. that. They, yeah, they have like this EP or something like that in like 84, but they really didn't do anything until like the Late like 90s. 1990, yeah. the early 90s. And then they have the split with Chaos UK. Then nothing happens again. And then they have an album in 2000. 
Um, from Raw Noise. From Raw Noise. And I, I have not heard this band. I should have so, listened to this, but I didn't. So uh, the members of this are important, and I'm bringing this up because it's kind of important. Because you have Dean, uh, Dean played in that in that band, and then you have Martin well, Pack. One second for those who yeah. don't know or missed the first episode. Dean, just listen. No, well, here's the thing: if you're listening to this, you're a fucking idiot. Listen to the first episode. Like, stop and listen to the Dean. First episode. Dean is the guy with the low voice from yeah. ENT, though, yeah. from Extreme Noise. Um, he was Martin Peck was in Raw Noise. Call the listeners idiots. Well, I don't <laughs> listen. It's like, oh, you know what I'm gonna yeah, do? Let me listen to this out of order. Let me listen to this out of order. That makes no sense. Like, just listen to the first one. If you don't like, if you're that unfamiliar with, like, if this okay, is the first players. episode you're listening to, I don't know. Yeah, it's like, come on, just come on. I don't ever, on, I don't now. do that. Come on, now. unless it's like something that like has no like order. Yeah, it's chaos. It, it, I mean, that, so that's <laughs> true. So that's why I interrupted you is because okay. that's what I believe so in. Our fans are very chaotic. They're like yeah. chaotic neutral. Yeah, totally. That's the impression I get. So who's Martin Peck? So was Martin it? Peck was in uh, Raw Noise and he, some other bands. But um, why I bring up is because he, him, and Phil started a band called Optimum Wound Profile, which is an industrial like crust band. Yes. Uh, and then they have some other members and. From ninety, like the early, the mid early nineties, ninety one or so, like till uh, up until like ninety four, I believe, with Retribution, they the don't really yeah. record anything. There's not like an album. You would think in there. that time they would really kind of capitalize on the fame with the KLF, mm-hmm. but we don't get anything for like th- an album for three more years. That uh, in the album Retribution. Kind of weird how it it definitely seems like they waited. Like I don't know why they waited so long to sign. I can only imagine it's because of uh, the stuff with Phil and like them having the maybe like smaller other side. Like they were like, all right, we had this thing, let's do this other thing now. And, you know? and also in terms of potentially capitalizing on the fame, I mean, maybe that would have worked. It got their name out there, and that's huge. It definitely was a big opportunity in that regard. That being said, I don't think like. The fact that they were used as like a prank by this like band that was the number in 1991, I heard KLF was like the number one singles band of all time. They had like a ton of hit singles, but then they broke up and erased all of their music. So it's kind of like so their music like isn't on YouTube then? No, it is. I think it, people it is, upload it. it, it, it okay, yeah, because people have copies of it, they can upload themselves. But like it, as I understand it, they like went to the record label and the studio and everywhere they could go and had them get rid of the music. So it couldn't be reissued or whatever. Um, but this isn't about the KLF. No, no, this no, is no. about I, extreme noise. Just to get back on track here, like I don't know how much of an opportunity that really would like. Like I don't know how many people would have been rushing to like, yeah, let's sign that band that like kind of d- did some screaming on the. KLF I would say single. I would say it's it, it, they would have that opportunity because they have a back catalog and they yeah. have uh, like momentum. That would be like a perfect. No, I, I agree like, with that. If they that. put it out in '92, it's like they'd be kind of going places. I, I agree with that, and I agree with the name. Wrecking, like it got their name a lot of exposure. My my point was just that there's probably close to zero crossover between like KLF fans and people yeah. who would. Oh yeah, that's true. That <laughs> is a marketing conundrum but for whoever was going to sign. Them, I believe I that was the reason why they got signed. The kind of. Well, how, Eric, how they got help. Probably the yeah. Eric. That was probably the that was like that had to be the big like English metal label it you know at that they time were period. like yeah. in ni- yeah 91 92 they were like fucking going full force right. firing uh, on all four cylinders but yeah. optimum wound profile is i think important to bring up because 
they have a couple albums with Phil Vane. The first and second album that he's on. Uh, the second album, I think Silver and Lead. And then Silver or Lead, I'm sorry. And then yeah. the 92 album, Lowest Common Dominator in 92. Clever. And Silver or Lead in 93. And those were both on Roadrunner Records. Those are both clever titles. Yes. Uh, also, um, I didn't know they were on Roadrunner. I listened to this band. It is good. It's very, like, groovy, industrial-inflected metal. Um, definitely a thousand percent sounds like it was on Roadrunner Records, uh, which is a sort of flavor of music that I, I do have a bit of a taste for. Um, Phil Vane, was it the other vocalist? Yeah, the higher. The high vocalist. That's what I thought. Um, yeah, Optimum, maybe, maybe we'll toss a clip of them on here. I don't know. That that shit was, was good and is interesting and, and, and does kind of reflect maybe that the that regardless of the fan base is not overlapping, that these guys maybe had a bit of a taste for some of the electronic sounds and you know weren't just listening to punk and hardcore and whatever. What are you going to say, Tim? Go for it. I would just say that that's probably a reflection more so on uh, the popularity of that band Godflesh at the time. Yeah, I was going to say, um, yeah. the UK... That like, was like huge over there. The UK underground, like that kind of scene, really dabbled a lot in industrial stuff. Um, you have Godflesh, Sonic Violence, and then rules. Um, those, those are skinhead guys. Um, uh, Shane Embry has a uh, Blood from the Soul. Is Blood that what from you're the Soul, about? which is him and the vocalist of Sick of It All. Really weird combo for that. Kind of cool though. I haven't heard that. This yeah, cool. that came out in '93. That album What's came out in '93. Lou Col- Lou Kohler. Lou Kohler. Yeah, yeah. Like With um, Shane Enby. Enby. Embry. He's non-binary. He's non-binary. Yeah. Shane, Shane Enby. Shane Enby. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a weird. There was like that early '90s was huge for like bands just being like, all right, let's do these. Sick of all. Sick of it all. Must have like played with Napalm Death or something. Dude, at I bet some they point. did. I'm they sure. Did. I'm sure they, were, they did. Sick I think all they were a lot. going to tour, or they had toured with them. Like, and they were gonna maybe tour in like 2020. Sick of it all, Napalm Death. Oh yeah, or I they did, that. or they yeah. did. I can't remember what, but I know they toured. Either were going to or did tour together. So, and I'm sure they were fans of each other's music because, like, that those early Sick of it all records are fucking great. Hell yeah, yeah. very pretty fast for the time too. Yeah, but pretty quick. Let's and No Tears is classic, classic top, record. Top if you haven't listened to it, listen to it. But how can we'll you forget the KRS One? bit on that uh, record fresh for 89 you suckers so we have this you have them kind of exploring like okay we got our little side projects we're doing then we go then they kind of detour with that for a little bit then they go back into ent they have a small kind of like lineup change too or they add um they get uh, rid of uh tony dickens yeah replace him with you know pig killer yeah and um I think Pete Hurley kind of he became like the main like, this song is when guy, they get retribution is when they get like another guitar player oh, that dude Ali uh, that's right Ali Farouz Bakht and then they record retribution for for Earache Records mm-hmm. in 90 uh, 94 and then release 95 I think right and around that time yeah now here's the thing I mean, we're going to play a song, uh, there's a song, Invisible War, from that record. And the reason why we're playing that song is because every other song on this record has been recorded in some capacity on some release prior to it. That is what, in my mind, is like baffling about this record. It's not bad. It's pretty good. I, I like it. But it's like, 
you guys had four years. You didn't write a single new song. Because they had all that other shit. Well, I think the thing was... um, I mean, it, or, I'm sorry. They did write one new song. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't their idea. I'm pretty sure Earache put them up to it. It's they probably, said, they exactly said you guys should re-record. You know, they were probably like, oh, yeah, you guys got a bunch of sick old songs, but... You know, how about you do it with, like, a new, like, a polished production? Mm, okay. And it, it seems like some of the members aren't too favorable with that. of that record. Probably not. Yeah, because it I is. don't blame them. The production, I like it. It's very beefy sounding. It's good. But it actually sounds more dated than the shitty recordings, as are often the case. Well, it, sounds, it sounds less intense. It's less intense, and it's very 90s, again. I know this record was on Earache, not Roadrunner, but it's got that Roadrunner Records energy a little bit. Um it just—it sounds like a thrash metal band trying to play like punk songs, and it just, yeah, it hits kind of—it's so, underwhelming. I hadn't thought of that before, but that makes perfect sense, Tim. It probably was your ache. Like, they probably came to them like after trying Optimum Wound Profile, and it probably not really blowing up that. No, that was—they weren't on your ache. They're on Roadrunner. I no no. That's what I'm saying. The guys from ENT after sort of doing these side projects that maybe didn't blow up or take off that much. They they signed to Earache and then Earache's like, well, we're glad to have you. Uh, your other songs are good, but we gotta you know make them a little easier to sell. We think there's an audience for music like this, but mm-hmm. only if we package it this way. Uh, I'd also say this, uh, even without um, I'd say if ENT didn't sign with Earache, I think they maybe would be more of a, uh, you know, and they didn't keep their, uh-huh. you know, profile up. Like they'd be much more of a like. You know, a historical footnote than like a, you know, oh, like a classic, like a classic, strictly uh, like a band, yeah, strictly like a cult item, yeah, yeah. That's uh, yeah, I think so. I agree. You yeah, know, because if they don't put sure. that record out, they don't put any of their other. They probably don't put any of their other shit out. So. True. Let's uh, let's let's listen to the one new song, as, as far as I know, the one new song from or what I the the, the I did. one uh. Un, you know, previously not recorded. Previously not recorded. Yes, and maybe because <laughs> who knows? That could have been written in '89 yeah. or something. Let's do the song "Invisible War." Invisible War. Yeah. Yeah. Tough Retribution. It, you know, good track, solid, classic ENT kind of punk influence track. I will say this record, Retribution, closes 
with a re-recording of the song Third World Genocide, which is one of my, maybe my favorite ENT song in honor of May Day. And with that in mind, I'd like to give a shout out to all of the workers all over the world, with the exception of the parasitic labor aristocracy of the first world. Yeah. Um, join a, join your union if you can. And, uh, yeah. Fuck uh, anyone that opposes that shit. Yep. And fuck America, Kaka. I th- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we got, uh, so, you know, ENT records this album of most pretty much exclusively older songs to kind of give, I and I understand why, kind of thinking about it now, I understand why yeah. he does it. It's like, here's Extreme Noise. Here's like kind of like a best of Extreme Noise Terror now in a repackaged version. I think nowadays if bands try and do this, we're like, uh, but like there are tons of like, there are more things like this than we think. Um, I'm thinking right off the top of my head, it's like Warfare. Uh, I believe oh, Eric yeah. put out World Extermination, and World Extermination is pretty much only old songs. Yeah, and it's funny because people always kind of give me a little bit of a uh, uh, flack for being like I don't like that album that much because it just doesn't sound very good, and all of the other versions of all those songs sound better. The Insect Warfare stuff. Well, what's um, the which, deal with the insect warfare? It's just like there's no, there's like no bottom end to it, pretty much. Yeah, there's right? like no bottom end, and like the the drums are just, it's just like snare. You can't hear cymbals really. Uh, it's yeah, it's kind of not very. It's not my favorite insect. Talk about the stuff. re-recorded version. Uh, yes, of, of yeah. we're talking about insect warfare. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah, but yeah. you're saying you don't like it when they the versions that they yeah, I don't, later. I don't really care for world extermination, uh, and I, I think people do like that because it's like again it's like this package where it's like all in one it's like right here yeah like versus i'm cool with just listening to the split with carcass grinder because those tracks are the best versions of those i'll go from fucking release to release same thing with with extreme noise here i'll listen to peel sessions i'll listen to holocaust in your head i'd rather do that than like listen to like versions that are like yeah, this sounds good but it just doesn't have the same quality one example of that i do fuck with as a brief aside the fucking album, the Burzum album from right after when he got out of jail, he re-recorded yeah. a bunch of shit off the first album, and it is sick. He does the, like, uh, Dunkelheit vocals and, or Philosophem vocals instead of the ah! vocals from the first album, and the fucking drums don't sound like a cardboard box anymore. I love that first Burzum record that sounds like shit. It rules, but it was cool to hear, you know, re- beef, you know, like real actually played properly recorded reasonably well like tough versions of those songs hard to say which versions i like better but that that that's the darkness album from right after he got out of prison is that was a worthwhile that was enough it was like oh this is a re-recording it's also a reimagining of sorts i guess you could say i, I it works yeah. it can work for sure sometimes it just depends on the uh depends on the situation i think now it works now it kind of works a little bit better yeah but it, it just depends on the. It really just depends on the recording because I feel like sometimes, uh, just like re-recordings of stuff, lose that like um, that that luster. That lust, yeah, loses the like the the roughness that I that I, I mean, appreciate. And I think this seems to be. I feel like this is probably one of the more widely derided uh, albums or releases by Extreme Noise Terror. You got like the you know fans of the classic material being like. Oh, you know, this is like this sucks compared to like you know like the, all, the yeah. early records, and then even the yeah, like I said, the band members were like, I think they that was their big criticism with it. Dean was like, 
Yeah, it just took the edge off of, like all the songs. The performances on it are not super ferocious either, no. if I recall correctly, which maybe reflects that this was something that they were kind of pushed to do. Oh, and yeah, wasn't necessarily their first choice. I will say it is kind of interesting that they did sign to eventually sign to Eric when, but they weren't like not in like that. you know five years beforehand, which would have made way yeah. more sense. Yeah, right. I was yeah. thinking about that. It's like Napalm Death got signed, Bolt Thrower got fucking signed, like Carcass got signed, but like. ENT doesn't well, get signed. Maybe that guy Digby was like, Oh, they're from Ipswich. I'm not signing that. <laughs> Bunch we, of bloody tosses. We get a kind of new updated version of ENT with the album Damage 381, which has a crossover with, again, with Napalm Death, with uh, Barney... Mark Bar- Mark Barney Greenway. Mark Barney Greenway on uh, so digital vocals. in English. It's well, insane. He got the nickname Barney because he would get drunk and fall on the floor like Barney Rubble. Nice. That's cool. So, no, not like Barney from uh, the the kids Simpsons. TV show, but not like Barney from Simpsons though. No. <laughs> Which? Hey. Yeah, I remember when Barney. I'm in napalm death. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what? That's a pretty good Barney that's impression. A, yeah, that is because that is a tough voice. You, can, to you, do. you got the impressions, man. I don't this have one's calls. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like an. I'm on the album Utopia Banners. It's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't God know why we'd it. say that. Uh, fuck me. But yeah, he's uh, he joins. He's in a weird crossover. He joins. Uh, ENT, and then Phil Vane, like, allegedly left to go do vocals on Napalm Death, which never – I don't think he like, was ever on, like, a recording. They're like, yeah, yeah, hit hit, hit record. Delete it. Delete it. Delete, it. delete, delete, delete that delete shit. It. Which is weird because that would be – that's kind of a weird era of Napalm Death. Right, because that's when they were doing their, like, new metal, like, alternative rock vibe. Well, let's no, no, it, it's, I'm, you don't need to correct. that <laughs> I will defend that those three the trilogy of albums I will defend the trilogy uh, of error the trilogy of errors <laughs> that many call many call errors of Napalm Death but what is I, it diatribes diatribes uh order breathe of the breathe the, right that was I mean EP we're talking oh, about albums just they, uh order of the maybe order of the leech and then um words from the exit wound or maybe fear uh, emptiness despair cuz I, I know people don't like that one quite so much which either. I think they're you know I get it but uh which uh, that's those, not a the, bad the three albums 95 96 97 or whatever that time period is I think those albums at the very least are not as bad as people fucking say they are um but we have ENT kind of doing a more extreme version of themselves when you have like a Napalm Death doing kind of like a more tamer version of themselves. Right. This this I had never listened like prior to us going on this expedition into their discography. I had only listened to like Holocaust in your head, Phonophobia and I think that's it. Uh and the 3 AM Eternal, you know, weird thing. I was when I got into these later albums, I was very I was not was not what I was expecting. A uh, lot more metal than I was expecting across the board on all of them. Um, also, as you pointed out, definitely more extreme and more abrasive sounding than the earlier material, which is remarkable because the early stuff is, you know, not chill listening, I wouldn't say. Yeah. And it's not like the music you they'd play in like a pharmacy. It's, uh, you know, 
No, which not the the place that we've I've spent like at least like an hour. Truly, madly, yeah. deeply, we should do. Uh, we I someone has to write a book, or we could do some episodes about the fucking music they play in pharmacies because it's a specific thing. And yeah. uh, there's it's awful. There's a couple of those songs that I do really like, but oh, okay. But in that context, it's always painful no matter what. And most of the songs are bad. Yeah, uh, it's it's a, yeah it's it's what was I gonna say? Truly, madly, uh, deeply, you? that song is about. Yeah, it's um. Extreme Noister definitely kind of ramped up their sound. Uh, they're one of the few bands, like not a lot of bands, like go, really get ramp heavier. up their sound and get yeah. heavier, um, heavier and more unhinged in this case. Yeah, very manic sounding. See, I don't it, know if I would call it more unhinged. Like I, f- I think what like the songs on this record, they all kind of maybe not on this one. Some of the other later the, ones, the one after it, sounding. yeah. Some of that's the production too. Like the production on those early punker records are. Not Holocaust in your head so much, but like those splits, it's very, very straight ahead production. And right. This, these ones are like reverbed out and stuff, and it makes it a little bit wilder to my ears anyway. Yeah, I I think this is something to talk about uh, real briefly is that like Extreme Noise Terror are definitely like cited in terms of like grindcore to a degree. They, like yeah. Crusty grind. Really and aren't. I wouldn't say they, they aren't, but their early stuff definitely is not. They are definitely more of a crust punk hardcore band than a grindcore band like they don't blast beat until really damage 381 i mean maybe i'm fucking wrong there's but there's some before that i think holocaust your head has some blasts on it but not isn't it like but if you're only in it for the music yeah, yeah. That, like, like that, really that doesn't count that's, that's more like even like noise i would almost kind of level. Not, the early stuff i would calling it crust is almost a stretch it's like fucking hardcore i don't know like it's crusty it's it's db it's like very yeah it's not heavy. it's not crust like how fucking like it doesn't sound like fucking it doesn't sound like a Amoebix. or that like other hell ripper hell bastard yeah hell like bastard that. Is, that was man I was is db like of. a better is that a better descriptor of it it's like the most it's, it's i'd say crust in the sense that it's like a very extreme it's like fast DB it's like stuff. fast crust but not like anarcho. Like all the hardcore. anarcho stuff has been like taken yeah. out of it. But now when you get start getting into Damage Three Eighty One and these other records, this is where you start to hear what to like modern ears and to someone who maybe hasn't delved deep yet would sound like cross punk, like the yeah. shit you would hear. Or I would say grindcore. That too. Death metal. That too. Oh, In grind we crust. That stupid thing that people say. Oh, if yeah. you're an idiot who said that, you. Should probably listen to these records because this is where oh, your I whole fucking thing say came from. You should be in jail. <laughs> but uh, if you've ever said we grind, we crust. Which thankfully, I don't think anybody here has ever said. I know I never. I have. think that f- trend is kind of not what it was when I was a teenager. But yeah, back then it was a thing. Um, yeah, dam- but it's called Damage Three Eighty One because they hit uh, three hundred eighty one BPM in the title track, and I don't know why they decided to put damage in front of that. Um, but I, th- I, I th- it's a, it's a solid record. I like it. Uh, I'll take a, a bit, a big noticing to uh, l- a lot of hardcore and like New York hardcore. Definitely some riffs on here that's yeah wouldn't and wouldn't be what? out of place on like a like a Mad Ball record. Some New York death, I would say, or not really death mutts. Sorry, I mean that's the next right. Album. Th- it's this is still maybe more on like the you know uh, hardcore extreme thrash end. Yeah. It's funny that that was the comparison you drew because this record, I think of these later ones, this was the one that I got like the most stoked on. There's a lot of Damage 381 has a lot of like kind of catchy guitar leads, you know, sh- the yeah. kind of oh, yeah. which the early records really don't. Like this has the little licks and shit that are 
to my ears, the first thing I thought of was, I was like, oh, this sounds like a Swedish death metal record, uh, which I still kind of think, but also that in context of what you just said highlights the point that you guys have made before that Swedish death metal just sounds like hardcore at its best. So that that is maybe we could probably split the difference as far as what Damage 381 sounds like. I will say uh, Skin Father is like... The Dismember by, uh, song. By Dismember yeah. is like, that has like the best hardcore like mosh part breakdown. One of the most ignorant of it's, all. It's so sick. Um, and which is, that's like the, one of the few things that I like about, if for fans that don't know, I am not a huge fan. I kind of hate Swedish death metal. I think it's mostly boring. Uh, and it's rock music. tone is not as good as people say it is. It's way, it's done way better in Swedish grindcore. And uh, I'll take that to the fucking grave. Um, but I think they have Swedish Death Metal has some like good, good songwriting, good good melodies. I just don't think it's really as what I crave for death. Dude, metal. Swedish rock music, they they have something for writing guitar licks. I don't know. It's you can they hear are, in the punk they are bands great. Too. They are great songwriters. Yeah. It's in their uh, blood. It's in their balls. I mean, <laughs> yeah, some, it's in their fucking ass cheeks. It's in it's somewhere. It's inside of them. That's where I got it from, man. I'm like part Swedish, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I would say maybe that maybe more of that influence, that metal influence uh, on on this record and the next one come in from that uh, that guy Ali they hired to be their guitar player. What was it, what was his background? Any idea? Was he from? Um, he was in Raw Noise, I okay, believe. and not. I don't think really like maybe some some other band I can't remember the name of that nobody gives a shit about. Yeah, because what's uh, their their mainstay guitar player, Pete he, Hurley. Oh, he left after Retribution. He left after Retribution. Yeah. Um, and that kind of, you know, that's, oh. he was like the, the longest mainstay, I believe, in the band other than Phil and Dean. Yeah. It was almost like a blessing in disguise, I think, though, because it really kind of opened and made, made him open up to like try have to try, you know, different stuff, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I think for sure, for I sure. Mean, according to that guy, Pete, he said, um, I think he said like he had already, he felt like he had written everything that he could possibly do with ENT. So I guess uh, cool on him to, you know, recognize that and be like, oh, you know, let me step down here. Yeah, let most, you guys yeah. Keep going. most people don't have the humility or self-awareness to do that. Yeah. I've been writing a lot. I've been trying to write then. stuff for – did he die? Yeah, he, he died in uh, 2014. Oh, oh damn. Right. Well, uh, I, I've been writing a lot of – trying to – playing a lot of guitar, trying to write stuff for Hallucination Realized, and it's like – Really trying to rack my fucking brain, and I I don't think that it's like oh I've written the most that I can do, but it's with when right when it comes to writing you really have to when you keep when you've written like you know thirty forty fifty songs that I've done for mm-hmm. this band, it's like I have to write like double that almost to get like half of that. It's kind of fucked, you know, yeah. because you want to write something that's interesting and refreshing, uh, and but at the same time you don't want to just keep doing the same shit over I mean you over can literally plagiarize your own riffs it's cool yeah. to do that it uh, maybe you could also Depends st- on the band. you could steal other people's riffs that's also cool that's to also, do I was like I'm like tr- been trying to like learn I was like I gotta learn other songs so I can kind of like get my head in the idea of like riff writing and like riff playing yeah not because I want to steal it but it's like I just gotta like get the fuck out of my own like head sometimes no you definitely want to and this is way off topic but whether it's music or like writing, writing. If you want to write, you got to read. You want to write music, you got to listen to music. Got to keep consuming it and and getting it in your fucking noggin. Not not so you can steal things. That was a joke. I've definitely never done that before. But uh, 
just to sort of expand your your and actually this isn't totally off topic but to expand I, I, like i don't know i can't even put it into words it's like magic like if, yeah, if, exp- if it's expand your knowledge it, pool. It, 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 it's not even entirely a conscious thing like if i start reading a lot i'll end up writing more and like my writing will get better if i if i listen to a lot of different music i'll write more guitar riffs and i was going to say and this is something to keep in mind this becomes more even more clear when we get into the record after this by extreme noise terror but across the board one thing i was struck with listening to this second batch of albums from the earache era because I do hear death metal influence on this. Even on oh, Damage 381, sure. it, it's more obvious later, but even on this one. And it's as if the development of death metal was like a missing piece for extreme noise terror. They couldn't invent it themselves. I Maybe they were an influence no. on it. I don't know. Probably more of an influence on Grind. But someone else invented it, and it, they like saw it, and they were like, oh, yeah, that's the thing we need. And they incorporated it into their style in a way that worked perfectly. And... Um, that's a beautiful thing, actually, I think. And I think that's that's pretty pretty awesome. And it led to, honestly, I was actually maybe more impressed with these records than the early stuff over on the yeah, whole. But I agree. I like the later stuff more. I was not looking forward to listening to these. And then I was like, damn, this is pretty hype. But I think out of all of them, th- the Damage 381 was probably my favorite. Yeah. With, I, with one I, exception we'll talk about later when well, we get to the Well, uh, I'll say there, the, I have written here the notes. Uh, the song Chaos Perverse. Uh, is like deicide, and it has a really bad guitar solo on it. I love bad <laughs> they, guitar solos. They have there's a cup. There's at least one one of the the solo on that song. I was just like I was at work, and I'm just like, ooh, that's uh, swinging a miss there. You should have just erased that guitar solo. Um, oh, <laughs> should put a, you should put a clip good. of it in here. But there's a uh, come on Ali, just the solo. <laughs> it's yeah. This this is a good record. I really like this one. Um, and I, I, I think that song Cold World, nah, that is a absolute banger. That that yeah. is a total banger. It's also the most hardcore sounding one. And I maybe I'm just saying that because it reminds me of the band Cold World with the name. But no, I've listened to it a number of times. And I'm like, no, this sounds like a tough guy song, which is sick. Yeah. And that rules. You know what? Why don't we hit him with it? Hit Here's him with Cold it. World. Here's Cold this World. This is the band from- Cold World with the rapper. Yeah. <laughs> doing the song Extreme Noise Terror. I got to say real quick. <laughs> I always, like, for some reason in my head, I mixed up uh, Cold is Life and Cold World. <laughs> and, like, Cold is Life rules. Yeah. Cold World. Also rules. Uh, but not as much. Not as, not we'll, as much. We'll believe that. <laughs> we'll believe that. Here's, here's something that. that does rule Cold World from Damage 381. Extreme Noise Rapper. Hey guys, Tyler here from Kings of Punk Podcast. 
podcast you're listening to. Wanted to talk to you a little bit about our sponsor, Shirley Road Records. Based in Raleigh, North Carolina, they carry a variety of distro and label items that I think a lot of listeners would enjoy. We're talking stuff that ranges from fast core, electronic music, death metal, you know, hardcore punk, you know, you name it, it's going to be there. A couple items that I, you know, am privy to myself are Cavernous Disseminations, uh, an EP by the band Cave Grave, Hellscape Mandate, another EP by the band Sleep Torture, and the great, great album Gentrified Swamp by Leeche. I think uh, anyone that enjoys the more grindcore-esque, death metal-y, hardcore stuff will uh, appreciate those records. But that's not it. They got a lot of different stuff. We're talking distro items from No Time Records to Live a Lie, Vehicular Homicide Productions, among others. I would head over to shirleyroadrecords.bandcamp.com and take a look for yourself. You know, maybe you're feeling a little cold at night. Pick up a copy of the Scuzz Leachate Split Sweats. Yes, that's right. A pair of sweatpants that is a split between two bands. You've never seen it before, folks, but you have now. So go to shirleyroadrecords.bandcamp.com. Pick up something. Tell them Kings of Punk sent you. So that was a, a little bit of a cold, wo- cold world, cold world <laughs> from Damage Three Eighty One. Now about I will, band, but okay. I will say uh, I haven't. Maybe I haven't listened to the right Cold World, the band stuff. So I am, and I am a very open person, and I am willing to always check something or re-listen to it. So I will be doing that after this uh, episode. No one's gonna get mad at you for saying Cold World sucks. I promise. Uh, and no Please one's gonna don't be mad. Don't no one's me. no one's gonna beat you up either. Either if you did, you said you got it mixed up. If you said Cold as Life sucked, then you might have a problem. Yeah, on yeah. I mean, uh, I couldn't in Detroit. But to be fair, if you listen to Cold as Life and you think that sucks, mm, maybe you shouldn't like listen to that kind of music you, you shouldn't listen to fucking 100 gex exclusively if you yeah. think cold as life sucks i'm not kidding yeah like, well. like or, or fucking like something i don't know listen to fucking cheryl crow if you don't think born to land hard is a good record <laughs> the, even 100 gex is off the table that's too hard for you listen to fucking yeah. soak up the sun if you think yeah. born to land hard is a bad album well um we have, <laughs> moving on from that moving on from that uh next album that they put out. No longer on Earache. No longer on Earache. They signed, a, I think, probably Willow a two-album deal. We go to Willow Tip. Willow Tip Records, 2001. ENT puts out Being a Nothing, an even further progression, I would say. Oh, no, no, no. Candlelight. Oh, Candlelight. I'm Candlelight. sorry. Candlelight. I think pretty similar. I, I get the, those two. I feel like it's similar, definitely kind of bands yeah, on those labels. Yeah, those are, I think, pretty similar in terms of that. Uh, they did, like... In the Nightside Eclipse, uh, they did some points. Like Opeth and stuff too, right? Um, corpse with a K. Uh, some, yeah, Opeth, My Arms, Your Hairs. That was my first death metal album. I remember you told me that. Uh, oh. Yeah, some, a bunch of Emperors. You stuff. may have told the listeners that too, I think. I an hope, interesting. You know, fun facts. I'm sure you're all taking uh, notes. Interesting release because, uh, just to kind of go up real quick, Osmos Productions does the album Law of Retaliation. And I know Osmos from like doing like war metal. Black yeah, I was, stuff. that's like black metal. Right? So really kind of weird their connections here. But yeah, getting back. Back to uh, being and nothing. F- uh, an even further progression from their sound on Damage 381 because this is just, this is right more in like line with like death metal grindcore. Being and nothing? Sound. Yeah. This one is insane sounding. It, it does sound It insane. sounds fucking <laughs> off the rails. Real um, quick. 
I do want to note that in Damage 381, uh, that is where we really have prominent blast beats on this on that record, like more so starts. than the other one. And the blasting on that is akin to the very early blasting in the sense of like suffocation stuff like that, where it's the one hit where, and by that I mean the, the drummer blast. is the hammer blast, the suffocation blast, maybe like the blasphemy kind of blast where the drummer is hitting. A symbol, the snare, and the kick at the same time. Like, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. It's not the the typical thrash skank beat, like, sped up to a million that, well, like, Napalm Death was doing. Um, which I thought when I heard... I hadn't listened to Damage Trade 1 in a very long time. When I heard that, I was kind of taken aback. I was like, that's how they're blasting? Weird. It's very um, bracing sounding. Yeah, because it's, it's very because it makes you. the tempo. I have a very crazy. I have not a crazy theory, but I have a, a lot of formulas on how to make something sound fast. And doing it that fast with that drum beat makes something sound very fast. Not uh, gonna lie, too. Uh, late nineties, very odd time for well, actually late nineties, early two thousands. Weird time for death metal. Yes, because I feel like that's the time period when it was like. Okay, let's let's amp it up. Like that's when bands started. Like you know, death metal was becoming modern. Bands, yes, death metal was becoming modern. Bands that were that had started in maybe like the early nineties, early yeah. or mid nineties, were now becoming brutal death metal, technical death metal, and stuff like that. Right. You have your necrophagists and stuff like that. Yep. Um, your dying fetuses. Your brodekin. Um, and then and then, but then if you were a band from like the like I feel like, like if you're the, a band late from 80s, the late eighties yeah. or very very early nineties, you were like tr- maybe if you were a band, you were dabbling in like different influences. Yeah, like okay. a, like Napalm Death was with like noise rock and stuff like that, and uh, maybe new metal. Even though I wouldn't say so, I'm, I'm I have not listened to those later Napalm Death records. Well, I'll put on diatribes gonna after. To, yeah, you're going to want to put some earplugs on. All right, so the playlist is Ice Grills by Cold World. That's Grills with a Z. And then whatever diatribes new, the, by Napalm. Yeah, Death. the new metal record that Tim likes by Napalm Death. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Now I had never heard Being a Nothing, so oh, I was kind of interesting, in, intrigued to hear this. And I had known that like they got more extreme as they kind of went along for a while, but I hadn't heard this. This, as Tim said, a progression of extre- of extremeness, of, ex- uh, of intensity, kind of in a way. I mean, I'd say it's almost like it's just like a couple steps away from being like a brutal death model record, to be honest. Yeah, it's know. not very far. Like, like it, maybe a, l- a couple more slams in there than you could yeah, probably call it that. I'm not a, that I'm an expert on brutal death metal. I would say more slams, and it's not one thing I liked about this and some of this other extreme noise terror like later material. It's it's not techy sounding at all. I mean, not no. that brutal death metal no. isn't either, but this is like very fast, unhinged, still very punk. They didn't get less punk. They got and and we'll touch on this maybe a little more later. And not that it's a something that I've really made sense of yet. It's almost like they got more American sounding. Like oh, they yeah, sound oh, totally. less. That's they, what me and Tyler were actually talking about that because I was like. This shit sounds like Cannibal Corpse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know? or like we listened to that fucking split they did later with Cocky SP, which is like a noise rock band from Minneapolis. Oh, noise band. Or not band. noise rock. No, noise it's just core, noise. Right? It's just horrible yeah. fucking. It's good, but it's like a harsh noise project that they just split with Extreme Noise Terror. We listened to the ENT side, which sounded similar to this being a nothing record, and it's like, I was like, if you told me this was from Cleveland, I would believe you. Like, it's just horrible. 
fucking noise like played super fast yeah it's like off the fucking rails very much reminded there's a i heard a lot of different things when i was hearing being in nothing yeah um at points uh shout out to a friend a uh, friend of me and tim's uh, ryan from sulfuric cautery uh multiple bands he said nile at points and i mm-hmm. you know i heard that too i was like oh man i heard i definitely when i was listening to this being like this kind of reminds me of nile at parts I definitely heard a big New York death metal influence on this like with can- not Speaking just Cannibal Corpse, yeah. but suffocation and like malignancy. Maybe, maybe I don't think malignancy was really going at this time. Maybe more so uh, with the pinch harmonic. A lot of thing. yeah, some yeah. weird, crazy pinch harmonic like parts. Tons of that. And I was like, huh, like you don't really hear a ton of pinch harmonic stuff with like a punk. The music. U- <laughs> they had the UK death metal scene, like yeah. with like a bolt thrower, maybe. Right. So yeah, it was very. I'm really taken aback by this record, but in a good, in a very, in a good way. Like I really liked it. This actually might be one of my favorite ENT records, honestly. Uh, buddy of the podcast, Sean, uh, from the band, this band Tartar's Horde, great band. Uh, he said this and Damage Three Eighty One are his favorite ENT records, which nice, weird to hear. You know, weird to see that, but love to see it. Love to see like a record that people probably don't know much about getting like being someone's like someone's favorite material the band yeah you know like sean huge fan of diatribes by napalm death too like not a lot of people's favorite napalm death stuff no. but <laughs> you know uh he kind of showed me the light uh so what yeah do you you're not a huge fan of death metal jake no or not that you're not a huge fan you're just not very well i'm not like, very well versed and i would go as far as to say like it's it's not a lot of it doesn't in my experience which is admittedly rel, limited relative to you guys a lot of it doesn't appeal to me that much. I used to li- there was like a few basics I used to listen to a lot. I even did like Cannibal Corpse. I still kind of do, but like I couldn't imagine, you know. Listening. You just don't want to say that in public. No, I've I have said it. it in public. I <laughs> there was a time in my life where I had a hammer smashed face patch on my jacket, and that's probably still my favorite e- record of theirs that I have heard. The um, EP or the, EP. the oh okay. yeah, where they do like the Black Sabbath cover. Yeah, and, fucking, uh, yeah they the possessed, covered, I think too. The, the, don't they do Zero the Hero? Yeah, like yeah. The, with the Ian Gillen. Uh, fucking shit <laughs> rules. Yeah, that record's great, but uh, no, it, just not a genre I'm super well versed in. But as I said, like the way that Extreme Noise Terror incorporates it on these records. I, I had to give it up. I was like, yeah, that's that's what they needed, you know? And, yeah, I mean, all, all those sort of influences you were, like, Nihil, whatever, I am not that well-versed in that stuff. The New York sound, like, suffocation, I could definitely hear that on some of this stuff. But, again, it's more less guttural sounding and more punk yeah. and, like, fucking... They're, they're not just, doing the... It's just a little bit more... A little less grounded sounding than a death metal band would be, which I guess was maybe what makes it grindcore, but... I, I think was this the record you compared to Phobia, Tim, or was it the one yeah. after that? Yeah, I, think, I would say this. I think that. Tim's take on this and and even on some of the albums after this is pretty perfect. It's like if Phobia like took risks with their music instead of not taking that many risks with their music, in my view. Um, but then those risks also end up like paying off and are totally paying off. Yeah, yeah, which is great and it's cool that they were kind of a mature band and that they were actually branching out and and taking risks. So. Definitely, the the you could tell that this shit was like hugely influential on a million fucking even kind of shitty bands that came after this. Yeah, I would phobia say phobia shit, phobia is fine, but I would say uh, yeah, this is this and damage are, are definitely have become some of my more. Like if I'm going to re-listen to them, I'm not just going to go back to the Peel sessions like I used to. Absolutely, I'm going to put yeah. on these records. Yeah, because I I think they're very solid uh, and worth listening to. We're going to play a quick song here. 
Uh, damage limitation, which um, that, that might be the best one on I, the record. It would be uh, a solid pick, yeah. But uh, I, there's, a, there's a bunch, I think, that you could choose from. But we're going to play that real quick. That was damage limitation off of being and nothing. If uh, just to maybe delve in on why that record had its sound, uh, you know how they progressed from there. I think around this time they got drummer Zach O'Neill in the group, who you know clearly in a standout, excellent uh, grindcore death metal drummer. Where what other bands was he from, if any? Do we he know? He was from Ag, uh, Failed Humanity, Criminal, Killing Mode. I don't know if anything that like most people would really know Never about. Never heard of him, but he, the drumming um, on that record is nuts. It's it's fucking on point. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's, yeah. I've never heard of any of these other bands, but I've heard of Failed Humanity. I think they only have like one record out. Yeah, so Sound big break for Mr. Zach. Extreme yeah. noise terror. No, it probably was. He probably was like, yeah, I'll play with you guys. Of course, Man, this guy yeah, is pale as fuck looking. He's what he's, looking? Uh, pale. He's very pale looking. Well, he's, got, he, he's a ginger. He looks. He could be Irish. Could be Actually, O'Neal, I mean, that's pretty good. Gotta, it's definitely Irish. Yeah, something like that. So we got, uh, yeah, we got this, uh, I don't know. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, yeah, they got him and then I think some uh, another, uh, a member of the band Desecration. I think his name's Ollie on guitar. Not so the same th- Ollie guy, though. No, Ollie, yeah, not not Pig Killer, because his no, last no, no, name no. is Ollie. Um, we're talking about Ollie Ferris. Oh, no, oh, this guy's name is spelled O-L-L-I-E. Okay. Not, <laughs> yeah. That's an important um, distinction. Ali Are you and sure, Ali, yeah. Tim? I'm, pr- I think, or maybe that might have been after. Oh, you know, no, you're right. Okay. Ali, Oli Jones. He's still in the band. Oh wow! So Can that's you believe it. Sixteen years. Hey, I mean that's and that's he. No wonder they've still retained that intense. Uh, yeah, like brutal. Oh no, no, he wasn't. Album. He wasn't on the album. He wasn't though. 2005. Oh, that's when he joined. Okay. Yes. Oh, um, but he is in Desecration, and so is their current, uh, I think their current drummer, too. He was in uh, two members of Desecration. One thing, so, yeah. One thing I'd say about this record and this sort of era of this band, um, although they sort of, the next record takes sort of a different turn, but uh, this sort of like very, like, crusty grindcore material they put out, it it's a bit unhinged sounding while still being tight, but not in like a techie way. And the way that they're using the dual vocals as it kind of always was, it's silly sounding in a way, but they managed to somehow avoid the trap that 
frankly, I think a lot of grind bands that I don't like don't avoid or willingly jump into where it comes off like a fucking gimmick or like a comedy act that isn't funny to me. Yeah. Um, this record is, it, I mean, their shit is actually anxiety inducing. That would, I mean, that would be, I said this about Holocaust in your head. And then this is like an even, uh, higher level of that. Like in, in listening to his band's discography, it was sort of, they're grabbing my attention more and more, at least up to this record and to the, the one after that. On the last record, it's maybe drifted off a little bit more. But the early splits, I'm like, this is good, but I could have it on in the background. Holocaust in your head, probably not going to have on in the background. Being in nothing, absolutely not something that I would just have on and be able to, you know, take a nap or anything. Groove along to, you know, dance in the kitchen while you're cooking some cookies. You know? Singing it in the shower or something. Yeah. No, I you would, ain't doing that. I would never have this intersect with my baked goods. No. Uh, and why would you, you know, I can't imagine I wouldn't, <laughs> I will say, uh, early this, the talk about the lineup, it's, it kind of goes to show how like kind of chaotic this band, oh, very, this band has yes. always had like a fucking chaotic lineup change, you know, Just, like, changes people over the years coming and going, you know, like they'll leave, but then they'll come back and play with them for a couple years. Yeah. Get, that's like, what's kind of like that kind of a shit always, is always a little bit frustrating, and, it's you know, very hard. Like looking at looking at the lineup for some of the records, it's like, is this right? Because it says yeah, Phil right. Vane is on Damage Three A One, and it's like, I is he? But it's like, it's is like, he? What song is he? Yeah, it's like I, if he's on a song, I can't tell. Wikipedia had like a whole ass fucking graph chart, fucked up looking thing oh, to show who's in the. I band love the when. Wikipedia chart. Oh, where it's like the like the weird like the it, timeline. It's, it's a fucking bar yeah. chart that looks fucked up for this band. And like to be honest, folks, we're not getting into that much detail about all that because I don't think. It actually matters that much to you other than a, a few lineup changes we've mentioned, all of the ups and downs and twists and turns of who was in extreme noise terror at which points. When it's relevant, we're going to talk about it, and this applies with any sort of deep dive like this we do. We're going to talk about those details when they're relevant. But I think the main focus is what did this band accomplish artistically and when, and what is the significance of that in the broader musical landscape? Yeah, and now so You can find the bar chart yourself on, on the internet. Those that don't know... Uh, Phil Vane had left the band as of like around Damage Three One Two uh, Ninety Six or so. That's yes. a high pitched vocalist, right? Yep. Yes. Uh, and he joins back in the band around like what two thousand six or so. I think it was like right around yeah. So they after two thousand ones being in nothing, they don't really do much. They put a single out in two thousand four, which I think it had a couple like of the earlier. Uh, it might have had like one. It had like a Radis cover and a Genocide SS cover. I did hear that. It was cool that they covered Radis. Like I said, these guys uh, definitely does not surprise me. They are fans of the Finnish hardcore, some of the most extreme stuff that they, you could have found in the fucking 80s. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. I've been I'm, I've been on a big Finnish punk uh, oh, binge yeah. lately. Um, Tervi Cadet, great band. Check them out, guys. Radis, uh, wrist attack. We'll do a whole episode on Finland. Yeah. We got to. Moving, then, uh, yeah. And then from there, we have, I believe, the split with... Driller Killer, Driller the Killer. Uh, split LP, I believe. Swedish, Driller Killers. Yeah, Swedish, Swedish like Swedish. DB. Okay. Uh, yeah. Man, I love Driller Killer. I love Great the band. early Driller Killer state is like on par with Extreme Noise. Did Terror. they play here or am I hallucinating? Man, uh, when? I don't know about that. I went with this. <laughs> Dude, I swear they... Mm-mm. It must I, have... It, I shouldn't was, say this. Yeah. I swear they played here in like 2011 in somebody's basement. Is that yeah, possible? No way. I don't... Maybe you're thinking of that band Avskum? Is that how you say it? No, that's like an old Norwegian band from the 80s. Because I think oh. they played around. here before. Really? Really? Yeah. No, dude. I'll have to look into this. But 
I'm, I knew I did. I'm confusing them with Brain Killer from Boston. Oh, okay. dude, yeah. Brain Killer was so different sick. Band. Yeah, yeah, oh, another, was, another great band. Go listen to Brain that Killer. Band that band was so good. That, those, that they, band's name was not bullshit. Brain I had to Killer, stop watching they, them. They played in fucking Owen's basement, didn't they? Yeah, and like yeah. my ears were like bleeding that by the end crazy. of it. That was crazy. Yeah, that was fucked <laughs> up. So, I'm serious too. Yeah. <laughs> One of the loudest bands I've ever seen. Damn, all so, good bands. All good. Extreme Noise Terror. They kind of come back in 2007. They have the split with Driller Killer, and it's kind of like almost a return to form in a way, but like an updated one. With like the grind, like the grind influences yes. fully setting. This it, is think. where I think, because I think when people look back on the the like glory days of Extreme Noise Terror, I, 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 the pre airache stuff, I think they're looking at it with rose tinted glasses, and they go, "This is like uh-huh. grindy crust stuff," and it's eh, really more crusty D beat stuff. Yeah. It's a, it's definitely Hardcore. a predecessor to predecessor, and you know, one they of the most obvious in, ones. Yeah, they go hand in hand together. I think you know they can play shows together for sure and have a great time. They're boyfriends and girlfriends yeah. together. They kiss each other on the lips, but this is where they become kind of become one. The extreme noise terror really is kind of bringing their A game with this, and that's really rare that you see a band do this like twenty something years into their fucking you know over twenty uh, over twenty yeah, years. like it was like twenty two or twenty three years I think by that point. More bands should do that. That's uh, that's the hero's journey, the monomyth. You know, you start in one place, you go into the unknown, you come back around with new powers. Yeah. Once you get back home, and and that is definitely the vibe I get from this record, and even the one after it, which we'll talk about in a minute. But this one, especially with Driller Killer, yeah, Tim, where you shoot. I was gonna say it. The, those magic powers worked because I remember I think being a kid, like a teenager. Yeah. This was like the first, like I think one of the first ENT songs I ever heard was from this split. Which song was that? Religion is fear. Mm. That's a really good one. That's like a song that maybe we should play from this split. Yeah. That's like a blistering, you know killer grind it's, it's yeah i would say i would say to also go back to uh to kind of go, we have to tie it in with their album law of retaliation both of those releases the split and this are on osmos productions osmos as i believe i mentioned earlier i'm more familiar with them in terms of black metal stuff so to kind of see them put out this kind of like these two releases very interesting um maybe it's not interesting maybe i'm just ignorant but uh, that I know Osmos from like Revenge and stuff like that, and like maybe some sketchy black metal stuff. But both Law of Retaliation and this, I think, really kind of like it's just re-energized. It's just like they got like fucking gas in their fucking. The D beats are back in the mix. You've got I, I I will say on being in nothing, there were fewer like catchy guitar licks compared to Damage Three Eighty One, if I'm recalling correctly. This record has that fucking like vicious uh pseudo like borderline unhinged quality of being a nothing coupled with the more mid-tempo d-beat parts and the fucking like swedish death metal style licks that were on the record before definitely comes full circle driller killer side is great too perfectly paired um may, might not even be a bad place to start if you've never heard this band They're probably not the best place to start but you know I think for mod- recommended, yeah. I think the thing is with like when you're talking about like modern audiences and stuff like that, like something like this would probably like pique their interest more than their early stuff because like the production's more obviously modern. Yeah, it's more updated. It depends you know, who you're talking to. Got an aggressive nature uh, feel to it. So yeah, if you're a grindcore fan, you never really heard them, or like a death metal fan, I don't definitely. Know 
I would say absolutely the album, the check out first. Yeah, yeah. with the Jolly Curl split, or I would say both. Oh, I would Jolly say Law of Retaliation. I mean, Law together, Re- yeah. If you're a death metal guy or a hardcore guy, Law of Retaliation would be probably definitely the place to start. Um, you know, what? why don't we? I mean, I play a song from there. Yeah, why don't yeah. we play a little yeah. snippet of something? What? What? what, play, what do we nothing, think? no more. That's a really good, good one. All right, well, guys, we're gonna hear a little bit of Nothing No More real quick this from a, Law of Retaliation. Law of Retaliation. Nothing no more by Extreme Noise Terror off of Law of Retaliation. Record is fucking tough. Like yeah. I said, you could definitely turn on some fucking, you know, Trapped Under Ice guys could could probably f- fucking get down with this era yeah. of this band. Personally, I think it's their pinnacle, honestly. These two albums in a row, it's just like, this is what the buildup from those 20 years was like all leading to. And it yeah, really, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. interesting that, like, again, I, it's like not yeah. many bands... Do get more like intense. That. Yeah. And it's just weird that they do. It's not weird, but it's just, it's awesome. It's awesome. You love to see it, folks. I mean, shit, Judas Priest did it. Yeah. Oh, they fuck. put their, they were they were part of Cock Rock Mania in the late 80s, and then, you know, fucking bang, there's a painkiller out of nowhere. Yeah, they were like, fuck yeah. everyone. They are like, yeah. we did, you know what? We did make that kid kill himself <laughs> through satanic fucking backmasking. <laughs> <laughs> they said, fuck it, and, and I get gave paid us, off. And then we used his fucking death. It was a sacrifice. It was a culling so we could make this awesome D-beat record called Painkiller. <laughs> <laughs> this Southern Rock slash D beat record, the heaviest pain fucking record I've ever heard. We uh, do want to mention that they uh, before this before Law of Retaliation around that time they also do a split with Trap Them. It's just like one side is split on Deathwish. Um, Interesting. It just has religion as fear in the Trap yeah, Them yeah. song. But I, I think there's really... also that uh, Attack of the Low Life Hardcore Dogs. No, that's that... after. That's okay. after. Um, gotcha. After that though, let's get into some of their. This is kind of a weird period. Well, because... this is around the time where. Phil, so Phil, Phil Vane. Vane dies, yeah. and if you don't, he's passed passed away in 2011. Yeah, and but before that though, they have two split releases. One of them being a split with the band Cock ESP, as we have mentioned earlier, a avant garde experimental noise act. I I really want to know why the fuck this came to be because this makes no sense like to me it makes sense that this is did maybe did ent tour america around this time and perhaps meet up with these guys in minnesota or something i would say that i don't know uh maybe they they're just... from uh where i think yeah minneapolis i believe yeah, yeah. um but yeah it's weird because cocky sp if you aren't 
I'm not super familiar, but being a noise fan, I am have been aware of that band for a long time, and they have weird, elaborate stage shows with costumes and make weird fucking noise music. So it's like harsh noise performance art. Yeah, pretty See, much. See, it is a little odd that they made this record, but I'm I'm actually not that baffled by it. Listening to it, it definitely makes sense. You get one side of cocky SP making just. Uh, pretty awful, though, though I have abrasive, we'll grating abrasive. Noise. I've heard more grating noise bands, though. It kind of just sounds like a malfunctioning machine, if I recall correctly, yeah. which is some of the best noise stuff. I love the sounds of the junkyard school of music. But and then and then it goes to ENT just doing like a, a pretty unhinged, short, very punk, le- less of the sort of tough sounding law of retaliation stuff. This was the record we listened to. Where I was like, ENT sounds like a fucking like Clevo hardcore band on this yeah. almost yeah. like just with like more blast beats. So this record actually made a lot of sense to me, and it wouldn't. I mean, I don't know. I feel like if you get, and and the guys from Extreme Noise Terror would have almost certainly been at this point. If you get far enough into like extreme music, it's like your fucking sensors in your brain start to get worn down, and and you have to like at a certain point either start listening to like gore grind. Or but maybe also just listen to fucking like White House and shit. So like yeah. or do both, um, or trap trap metal. Or yeah, or trap metal. I I'm yeah. doing two of the three things just named, and it does not involve listening to Gore Grind. But um, <laughs> kidding. Trap metal Except like E Town really. Concrete. Yeah, E Town Concrete is the final frontier of extreme music. And then we have, uh, as you did mention, Hardcore Attack of the Low Life Dogs EP, Split EP, which features Extreme Noise Terror in the bank's band Slang. What year was Japan. that? Ooh, I uh, actually haven't heard this record that we're talking about. I would like, we just listen to that after because Slang is sick. 2010. Slang kicks ass. Okay. So, yeah, they, they do this stuff. They have a couple things. Phil dies. They're, I can only imagine they're fucking crushed because one yeah. of the most consistent members of the band. Like, he definitely, he always sounded pissed. Yeah, rest in peace, a true king. Do we know punk. what he died from? I don't think it's ever been like released. Huh. Not that I know of. Yeah, I can only imagine probably some, as it tends to be like heart related. That seems to be a lot of. I mean, because he was only, I think he was like maybe in his mid forties when he passed or something like that. Oh shit! Yeah, he like, wasn't uh, that old. What's his? You know, what's his face from UK? Uh, from uh, uh, Iron Monkey, Johnny. Oh Morrow. yeah, John Morrow. John yeah. Morrow. He had a heart condition. Heart condition. That's I swear to God, it always feels like it's like heart conditions or some shit. They have like heart attack. That's I think how Pig Champion died. I mean, he was also well, massively ob- mo- morbidly obese, unfortunately. And like, a, I'm pretty sure he was like a junkie too. Probably, you know, yeah, and a huge alcoholic. And, oh man, yeah. I was reading so, about yeah. I was reading something about him, and they were someone else were like getting liquor, and he would like got like a forty and like a fifth of something and like something some other stuff, and he drank it all, and he's like, nope, nope. Went back, got more. It's like, nope, not doing it. I'm not getting fucking drunk. And he drank, like, an insane amount of fucking booze. And then he finally got, like, the amount that it was was, like, like three forties, like, four-fifths of, like, some fucking liquor, something like that, beers and all that. (laughs) That is. It's like Andre the Giant. That dude had to drink, like, a hundred. slamming the forties? I think so. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's heinous. Yeah, come on. Big dude like that, you're slamming it. Yikes. But R.I.P. Phil Vane. So we kind of have – ENT's in a conundrum then because it's like you have one, a consistent member. You have you have a band that is like kind of relying on two vocalists as like their appeal. It was their thing, yeah. Losing a member of, of, of the band, a vital member of the band. Um, but doesn't last 
super, super long because in 2015, we are introduced to a uh, slightly new lineup with a new uh, vocalist and a new full-length, a self-titled album. Uh, we uh, Let's see, what's his name? Uh, ben McCrow is the new vocalist. Oh, formerly of the Rotted, I believe. Yeah, and he has more of a just like gruff, hardcore kind of vocal. Kind of works, though. It works. I like yeah, it. Yeah, it's kind of like like a more mid compared to Dean's lower, and he kind of does some higher stuff, I think, it's too. Mid I mean, if you think about it, Phil was like that, too. He wasn't, he wasn't, I wouldn't say that he was high pitch. He was more yeah. like mid range. Yeah, he, it was, it was mid as opposed to like dank or like. It wasn't like maybe. Seth, Seth Putnam. Yeah, I mean, enough. Phil was, no, he wasn't like. Phil was yeah. like Beasters, and then like this dude's yeah. like <laughs> mid. No, I'm fucking around. I'm being an idiot. But uh, no, I, to, on a serious note, uh, it, it is true that Phil's vocals and this dude's vocals. What was his name? I can't remember. Ben, ben McCrow. Ben. Uh, yeah, they're not doing the crazy screechy thing, which bands that in the ENT tradition that have come out will do the, like, the one vocalist is really low. The other vocalist is fucking annoying. Like, oh, this shit is not like Ooh. that, and it's cool. And throughout their career, it's not, like, on that level. Yeah, it's um, more along the line of, like, Napalm Death, like, uh, Napalm Death with Lee Dorian. Yeah. I would say. Like, yeah, his, like, yeah. back and forth, low, high. Uh, but just realizing the two people. The time I hear Lee Dorian's name, I get it for a second in my head. It's confused with Dorian Yates, who is a bodybuilder from the UK who used to be a skinhead. But <laughs> off topic. But <laughs> Dorian Yates. Small world. Small world. Small country. But so this new second vocalist is highlighted on their self-titled record from 2015. Correct? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Good record. Not as good as the preceding material. Definitely a step down, but it, again, after coming from yeah. those two records, it's like, well, anything is going to be and a it's step like an down. Eight year, eight year period. Yeah, it sounds like they're trying to sound like bands that were trying to sound like them. It's like they're yeah. trying to make a Phobia record or something. It, and it's still good. It's it, it sounds its more like ENT than than you would think. Yeah, like, again, they're like that whole copying themselves in a yeah. sense, like they're ripping themselves off in a way, but not a not necessarily in a bad way. Um. You know, I, I want to play a little bit of song. Feels like a decent send off for them. I will yeah. say, although there's there is more material after this that we're going to talk about too. Um, it does feature a bunch of guys in Guy Fox masks masks on the cover, uh, which in 2015 oh. maybe not the move, but you know, for a bunch of old English guys, I actually find that pretty endearing. So they got song chained in craze. That's a really good song. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I think okay. it's a. It's like this is just like when you hear it, you're like, this is what ENT sounds like. There's definitely bangers on there. Yeah, was ripping off an ENT song. Yeah, uh, let's play that real quick. Sample of that. So that was Chained and Crazed, and yeah, like you know, 
good. I think it's a good song. I think it's a good release. Um, it's better than a, like a lot of like bands at this age could do. Yeah, it's better than. Well, bringing them up again, Phobia can probably do. Oof. Oh yeah, in this time period, I would say a notable comparison would be uh, the the most recent Discharge album, like their I guess like End Times, I think it was called. Or something. Oh yeah, oh, it's like a yeah. Nuclear Blaster. That something. one was really good. It is good, and you wouldn't think a new Discharge album would be good because they have so many duds, um, which I am a little, I kind of have a soft side for to a degree. They're good. Uh, <laughs> they're good. <laughs> in the world is good. That's a uh, good album. Uh, this is, they, they, I think this is on that kind of level where it's like this is impressive for a band as old as, as them because most bands can barely, from punk hardcore bands, can barely you know muster two good albums, let alone like three or four or five. Uh, so the kind of, if this is the last full length they do, I think it's a, a good note to end on. But yeah. it is not the last physical, like the last releases of ENT. There's two more. We got to talk about two more. First one to probably get the most traction here. It is a very limited split with the dwarves. Thirty-one copies. Thirty-one copies, apparently. One of the oddest split pairings, also I've ever heard. This is it's a bizarre record. You had a really good point to bring up, Jake. That like this, like we're like the last. They had like nowhere to go. Yeah, neither of these bands had anyone left to do splits with. At, in fucking 2016, <laughs> which fucking, and I don't even remember hearing about this at the time. I guess if it's limited to 31, why would I? Um, the Extreme Noise Terror side is fucking nuts and like really good. It's not, they open with a cover of Quit by Septic Death and then do an original that is also just off the rails, less, less heavy and more like off the rails punk rock. I guess kind of in the Septic Death tradition as well as in the tradition of ENTs, maybe some of their like the being a nothing material but less metal than that just fucking raw punishing record on on their side and then the dwarf side is fucked like both songs are remixes i guess of like i don't know the dwarf's catalog that well i love sugar fix i love blood guts and pussy but these two songs dwarf songs i never heard before they're labeled as remixes one of them is called the retard remix i'm not making that up i don't know if there's yeah a, it says it on the it right says Damn, that i didn't notice there's that. a dj named retard maybe or something i don't know what he did to it but i don't <laughs> he did know something i don't remember what the song sounds like because it just was fucked up but in a nondescript maybe way he sat on the reels when it was being mastered <laughs> yes yeah yeah i'm just imagining a guy in the ones and twos with floaties on um <laughs> Um, <laughs> oh, um, classic content. That's anyway, <laughs> um, the next split, it's a uh, uh, release. The, uh, the next split ENT release was put out, uh, I think, 2019 or something, 2018, yeah. uh, MCR Company, and it was a split with the Reality Crisis band from Japan. Yeah, and uh, as me and Tim were talking during one of the songs, uh, the Reality Crisis, I was like, I'm familiar with that band. I've heard that band. I live from Japan, and... They were on uh, All, All Crusty Spend, Spend Loud, Loud Night. Night, which is, a, if you are not familiar with that, that is, is a great, great uh, VHS of like a bunch of Japanese bands just playing a few songs and then kind of just goes. Features, it's like a um, live comp video. Yeah, it's oh my, it's such, such a great video. It was a three-day w- raised split with My Chemical Romance is on it. Yep. Yeah. My, so my Chemical Romance, Romance put it out. Yeah. My oh, their company yeah. put it Gerard, uh, Way is Gerard like Way a huge fan Japanese of Japanese hardcore. hardcore, and I love UK old UK hardcore bands like ENT. He he just doesn't bring it up in interviews because he doesn't want to bore the readers with you know details they won't understand. He fears right. retaliation from his uh, you know younger goth emo fan base. <laughs> I wanted just a couple things. I, uh, I remember uh, not too long ago 
this is pre-pandemic times, uh, maybe like 2017, 2018, maybe around around the time these splits came out, uh, ENT had toured or was playing some shows or toured Canada. And I have some friends in Canada, and I remember seeing some footage. And man, I've only heard awful stuff about like oh, it some of their more recent live stuff. About Dean being, like, super drunk and, like, passing out, essentially, and, like, just a, a true shit show. That sounds um, kind of awesome, though. I believe they played with Ma- – I believe they did stuff with Mass Grave from Canada. Okay. From, uh, I believe, the West Vancouver. Coast. Vancouver. Vancouver. And they, like – people were like, yeah, they blew him out of the water. Which makes sense because Mass Grave, if you're not – if you're a fan of that, like, Raw Lot of Retaliation, uh, like, Damage 31, like, ENT stuff – you would fucking love Massgrave. I think they're one of the best crust like bands like ever. And like, this is like, I, I it makes total sense that like they're like we're blowing you out of the water. We're like blowing you off stage, and you're just kind of like a little bit in shambles now with like playing with like scabs in a second. Yeah. That's what the, yeah. what happened like with the team coming too? over there. Uh, I don't I think mean, so. I don't think so. But That's good. I mean, I don't, we don't want to fucking. I don't want to disparage fucking ENT or Dean or. And any I don't want to fat shame anybody. So and just, I'm just. I just, I'm just saying, like, if ENT saying we're gonna play, here, you know, be a little cautious. Maybe they won't be that good. And that's uh, something that was thinking about with the New York City show that happened recently with Madball and Murphy's Law and stuff like that. Wisdom and Chains. Yeah, Wisdom and Chains, Blood Clot. Um, I do think it's. In, I think with the pandemic coming, not to an end, but like being a little more in, like contained to a degree uh, hopefully uh with older bands i'm you know had this thought where it's like how much are we going to how much weight of an importance on live shows are we going to put older bands now that's a good uh, point because they can only like some of these death metal brands grindcore bands hardcore bands punk bands they're getting fucking old and the classics are that's the they classics. definitely are. i agree with your broader point you're making but i would just note like uh Madball headlined that show, and that band, one, those guys aren't that old, and two, like, that band has been playing consistently since they yeah. started, and have... Th- I've th- heard that is a, was a really good set of theirs. Mad- Madball has... I've only heard good things about Madball Live. They've kept it up. They're Also, I mean, like I said, they're not as fucking old they're as some of these other people. Old, yeah. But, I mean, uh, I'm just saying, my point is, is that, like, with, like, a band like Extreme Noise here and all these other bands, we're talking people that are pushing 50, over 50, yeah, uh, into the sometimes into their 60s, you know, I mean... I, I think it'll be interesting what's going to be happening in the next, like, six, five or so years uh, as the greats of these of the underground genres kind of are reti- like going to have to retire just because, like, risks of COVID and risks of just, like, they're out, they're kind of out of it. Like, and also, I, I, just maybe not being able to perform such intense material. No. I mean, certainly if you're a vocalist or a drummer oh fucking playing this shit oh, would be horrible. Seriously. Oh yeah. We'll see we'll see what happens. I, I always appreciate and with the you know, I always appreciate when a extreme band can like kind of tame it down a little bit but still retain like their classic yeah. quality. I think the new Napalm Death record kinda does that, even though uh uh Danny Herrera should be uh, as a French cheer and uh yeah, he kind of should. That dude cannot blast very good anymore. <laughs> Those, dude, if you're an old drummer, like, I props to you if you're 50, you know, blasting. But like, Blast goddamn, yeah. that must fucking it must fucking hurt. Yeah, like, but let's just just join a black metal band instead, because then you can blast badly, and it's considered part of the style. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, tradition. As with the legacy episodes, let's talk kind of like about 
like the important like the overall like importance of this band and like the real takeaway from them uh i think first notably the most important thing is the real extreme du- dual vocals yeah that became a style style um or a, a move a gimmick in some yeah. cases i think the biggest crust uh, and grind circles for sure biggest one is uh disrupt like Im- yeah. almost an immediate influence like immediate influence on there yeah any band that does like that is ex- like extreme crusty grind stuff even i don't really see in death metal but like doing two vocal two separate vocalists mm-hmm. very inspired by ent of course i think um and i i think it's another good example of like that you can still become more intense and extreme over time yeah and, and with that in mind i, w- I would note because i was tempted to say this was like a sort of band that pioneered like crossover phase two you have like the part of 80s crossover where it's like thrash metal and hardcore mixing this band got into like oh well this is like extreme you know discharge disorder chaos uk style hardcore punk mixing with you know death metal and chain punk mix it with death metal chain punk mixing with death metal Um, that's it but really (laughs) i i mean that's true and we've done a bit of picking apart of all the different sort of threads that this band intersects with and that they drew on. But at the end of the day, I mean, look at the name of the band, Extreme Noise Terror. They just wanted to be the most extreme punk fucking band that they could be, hardcore punk band. And as far as blending subgenres go, like, if you keep going out on the margins, the further you get, the less genre really matters. And the more it... Mm -hmm. it, You're going to start sounding a little bit like fucking Chaos UK and also a little bit like, uh, you know fucking it's all you're or at least you're gonna musically you're gonna trip on some of those threads or some of those threads are gonna run through you because you're all the way out on the margins you're just fucking making noise and trying to be extreme so that's where a lot of that crossover comes over but then but then when that melding happens on the margins other people who come around later whether it's a phobia or whoever can sort of look at where those threads just happen to intersect by virtue of you as ent or whoever trying to be extreme they can sort of pull it back a little bit and then it's its own style. And that's how I, I would mostly look at this band as being one of the main precursors and practitioners of like grinding crust or metallic crust or whatever you want to call it. we keep referencing phobia and I don't want to do that, but even though they're good, but like, that's just a classic example of style I'm talking about. There's a million yeah. other bands that play that kind of style. And like I said, that's kind of like a crossover do. Yeah, like it's Boogaloo, like a different version. Nineties Boogaloo, yeah, another crossing over from another direction. Crossover doesn't just have to be specifically um, hardcore punk. It actually and makes thrash per- metal. it makes perfect sense because E and T started out fucking stormtroopers of death. Stormtroopers of death. So like that was one way to do crossover is like you know American Budweiser dickhead. They pioneered a like viciously political originally british approach to blending these different styles of extreme music and then later on that crossover appeal went back to america uh, yeah. jacksonville florida to be specific uh and limp biscuit took that uh rap and metal crossover to the mainstream yeah it's crazy they really yeah, they really true you know corn some people would say well corn was an early new metal mm, one of them were early new metal bands. Sl- i don't think that and I, I i know it sounds insane but i think limp biscuit is the only one of the few, if not the only new metal band to incorporate rap correctly. I know that sounds ridic- maybe ridiculous, but I think they 
do it. Whether or not you like Fred Durst, that doesn't matter. Like I know what you're yeah. saying. Well, you know why that is. It's because they're closer to, because there is a distinction between rap rock and new metal. Yes. Yeah. Rap rock is good. New metal is not. Limp Bizkit is one, the one band that's kind of straddling the line because the way they use rap in their music is closer to rap rock than new metal. Yeah. There's not the fucking nonsense or what the noises. Big truck. Like, they're not doing that. Like, it is more in line with the stuck mojo type approach of rap rock, just a little bit heavier. And with that in mind, with regards to bringing it back to extreme noise terror and what Tim was saying, Slipknot did have two vocalists, right? Or they had like three or four. Oh, I don't. Or is it just Corey Taylor? I don't know. Those bands had two vocalists. I don't know. Actually, that's a really good point. I they must have. Some. I mean, Slipknot had like multiple members. I can only imagine some of those uh, percussionists might have done vocals. I I've never really listened to Slipknot. I'm not a big new metal fan. It's not. Uh, I never had a face. I'm actually doing a new metal challenge where I'm listening to a bunch of new metal bands uh, this month. But yeah, I've never been a thing. But yeah, I. there's a lot to take from them, and uh, uh, it's it's nice to see a band kind of not really have too many real missteps in their discography. Yes, that, I was like, surprised by that over such a long period of time. Yeah, yeah, they really that's that is a good point. They are very consistent. Yeah, more more consistent than you would think. Like, like they're like their worst records are like, you know, I they're not not that they're like the worst, but it's just like you know. What like splits with one song on it, or like that one yeah. live seven inch they put out early that was something like that you don't need pointless. to listen to. Yeah, yeah, it it would be like like it's different than like Chromag. Let's say Chromags for example. Like Chromags, like I mean, you could whether or not you care for some of the records. Like the big consistency with Chromags is that like um, Age of Quarrel is their best release, and then the other stuff. Most people fucking don't give a shit or hate. And that's like their main discography, though. Like with ENT, I know Jake has given me a, a bad look, a frown right now. I will say Age of Coral is the best one. That's true. That's I've never heard anyone say Best Wishes or Alpha Mega. Oh, dude, is, there are absolutely message board guys who think Best Wishes is better, but they're wrong. Age of Coral is much better. I was kind of joking about giving you a look. But fuck the people who say the other records are bad because they're not. Best Wishes is good. Alpha Omega is even better. The other records exist, and nope. you can listen to them. It sounds like they're um, bad. <laughs> I actually just haven't listened to them that much. I haven't bothered because, but um, at the very least, uh, one of those there things. are crazier examples than Chromags. Yeah, people making one good record and then sucking shit forever. I yes, mean, that's, I mean that's a that's a that's too many bands. To yeah, count. that's too many bands to count, folks. And yes, that's uh, it's fortunate that like the worst material of ENT. Uh, it's fortunate that the worst material of ENT is stuff that you can truly just miss, or you wouldn't even listen. Like, and it's not even this bad. It's just not necessary. Yeah, more than anything, none totally, of, none totally of it skippable. Is, none of it is garbage in my experience. Um, this is not like my favorite band that we've covered or that I've ever heard. I'm not, I'm not gonna. I don't think they're gonna be a huge mainstay of mine ever. But also, none of this was garbage, and some of it was very, very good. I would say for some of our listeners who. Our listeners who are listening to more extreme stuff, some of our grind heads, you know, death metal people, I know you're out there. Um, you probably are very familiar with this band already. Maybe this will inspire you to revisit it a bit. For our listeners who are not that familiar with, like, grind core or maybe more extreme stuff, this is, I think, listening to a Holocaust in your head would be a fine place to start. If you're more of a yep. punk guy, you're listening to this because you like punk rock, 
listen to Holocaust in your head, and that'll that I, th- I think you'll dig it and might lead you somewhere kinda else. It's good. Yeah, to kind of go from there. The later material, like. if you're a punk guy like I mostly am, the '90s ENT stuff might be too metal or too produced or something for you. Listen to that record from '89, the original recording of it, and I think you'll vibe with it, and it'll. Uh, Maybe get you accustomed to some more extreme sounds if you need something new to listen to. So that's kind of my final take for our listeners. Almost said viewers. I don't know why. I'm a little fried today, but yeah, man, that fucking the Phil Gates microchip is making me loopy. But yeah, that vaccine. Check out Holocaust in your head if you're turning our dicks into 5G antennas. I can't (laughs) believe it. Yeah, that joke doesn't get fucking old after a a thousand (laughs) people. We're gonna we're gonna bleep that one too. I well, wanted the Chinese vaccine because I wanted mine to be a Huawei uh, antenna, but <laughs> instead of Sprint or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, folks, that's Kings. This is the uh, legacy of Extreme Noise Terror. Thanks for so much for listening. Uh, share to your friends. Rate share us. on social media, Instagram especially. Follow me on Twitter, Kings of Punk Pod. Kings of Punk Pod. That's the Twitter one. Yep. Yep, and Cop Pod Official is on Instagram. We're on Apple Podcasts. You can rate us, share us, refer us to your friends. We yep. greatly, greatly appreciate it. Rate, appreciate us, rate it. us five stars on iTunes. Yes, please. That would be go a or long whatever. way. And we really appreciate all the great feedback we've get, been getting and everyone who's been, uh, everyone who listens and speaks to us yep. on the internet. And just for a special treat, here's the Dwarves song on that ENT split, Sluts in the USA. Yeah, this is fucked. Yeah. Well... <laughs> it was nice having you as a listener. <laughs> <laughs>